Well, how we doing, everybody? It's good to have you, One Church family. Man, it's great to be with you. My name is Blake, and man, this house is packed today, isn't it? So um, I, I just want to say, if you um, want God to love you more, go to the nine. Uh, he'll, he'll bless you and be favor on you. You have more money, stuff like that. It's amazing. So uh, no, I, I do want to ask if you're a family that doesn't have children, maybe you could consider going to the nine o'clock because um, I don't love people having to sit out in uh, different areas of the church. I'd love for all of us to be together if we can. So um, I love that um, people are starting to come back to church. It's great to have you. You look wonderful. You look beautiful. I want to welcome all of you online. It is great to have you all around the world as well. I'd like to start today's service by asking my dear friend Cassidy Shaw to come out. Everybody give Cassidy a big hand. So... Cassidy um, has been a part of our church family for a very long time, right? Like how long? You're... Um, about six years. Six years. Wow, okay. And you were involved in a couple of ministries here. What were they? Um, I've been involved in the children's ministry, the missions at the church, the youth ministry, windshape. Windshape. Kind of all of it. She ran the church. Yeah. So um, she grew up here, and she's one of our own, and she now feels a call in her life to go as a missionary. Tell them where you're going. Um, so I serve in Uganda in East Africa. Yeah, and it's a ministry called Hill Ministries, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so our church supports her, you do. And we also are going to help provide some sewing machines for her sewing ministry there. And so she leaves this week, right? Yes, I leave on the 31st. Yeah, so she is small but mighty. And she has this voice that's like the sweetest voice in the world, isn't it? And, and yet, I just need you to know, like, she walks in the authority and the anointing of God. And so I just want to send her out with a one church blessing. So I'd, I'd like to ask you, if you feel comfortable, to stretch out your hand towards her and let's say a prayer over her. And Father, we just lift her up right now. In the name of Jesus, we ask God that you'll be with Cassidy as she leaves for Uganda. We know that there will be spiritual forces that will um, try to keep her from doing the work you've called her to. And we ask for your protection from the enemy of darkness. We ask you keep her mind strong. We ask that you, she would stay grounded in you. And we ask that you'll bless the work of her hands and, and the words of her mouth. We pray for anointing. We pray for your authority. And we pray, Lord, that she would go in the name of God. And we send her with our blessings as a church. And we praise you, Lord, that, for her faithfulness. So, Father, we trust you with sweet Cassidy Shaw's life. And we just pray you'll fill her with the power of your Holy Spirit and send her in the name of Jesus. Everybody said, amen. amen. Love you, Cassidy. Come on. So if you'd like to talk with her, she's actually going to be in the Go Love room after this. She'd love to talk to you and talk about all that she's doing. So I just wanted you to know that. So, man, today's a good day. Uh, we're actually talking about uh, this new series that we're talking about how he, he's, uh, in it's a series called Happy Trails. We're talking about these different songs that were sung throughout history. But I'm just blown away by like the great things that God's doing in this house. And I'm just going to talk about some of them that, that I see, if that's okay. I, I see miracles happening. I see faith that's being increased. I see lives that are being changed by the power and the presence of our living God. People are choosing to be baptized. Breakthroughs are coming. Financial blessings are happening. And it's because people are praying. In faith, when we get serious about getting really work done, like getting something really done, like really fighting, here at One Church, we get on our knees. 
And so I'm, I'm seeing that. Our power position is face down, hands up, and our God fights our battles. Anybody here believe that? Okay, so touch your neighbor and say this. Say, God's on our side. Go ahead. Say it loud and strong. God's on our side. So that's the name of my talk today, and it comes straight from the text that I'm going to be speaking from. And I, I love that we're doing this series where we're doing something I think is kind of cool. We're actually praying or our songs, or with, with song, we're singing a prayer. And so I'm curious, have any of you been singing your prayer during this series? Hopefully, hopefully you have been. I, I love doing that. I do it all the time. I love to sing to God and sing songs that we sing here at church and make it a prayer that's not just words that I'm talking about, but words that are actually coming from my heart to the Father. And so there's actually 14 chapters in the Bible that are dedicated to that. Uh, they're called the Songs of Ascent. And these are psalms, there's 14 of them, that are about uh, singing to God. It's posturing yourself uh, to, to pray for his provision and his protection and his blessing. And it's sort of like them posturing their heart on their way to go be in the presence of God in Jerusalem. So the Israelites would make a trek, three to five day trek, uh, out in the wilderness towards Jerusalem to go to all the different festivals throughout the year. So today... We're going to study chapter 124, and I'm going to do it on the trail, so let's go there. Every one of us in our life have a moment when we have what I call a but God moment. Uh, my friend John Waller just wrote a song called But God. I have a friend who also used to do Alcoholics Anonymous class. And so they were always talking about like, I used to live this way. And then they go, but, and then they'd all say, God, right? There was this moment where they are like, I used to be one way, but because of God, or if it were not for God, uh, I, I would still be the same, but I'm not anymore. I'm completely changed, right? I'm completely transformed. In, in the text we're going to be reading today, I, I just get this glimpse that that's where David's at. He's sort of in this reflective moment, thinking about his life and thinking about all the times that the Lord showed up. And he's saying, man, if it weren't for God, but God, like he's talking about this moment. So I want to read you this text from Psalms 124. It goes like this. If the Lord had not been on our side, everybody say on our side. If the Lord had not been on our side, let Israel say, so that's David's way of saying, are you listening? Can you hear me? Come on, somebody. He says, let Israel say, and then he says it again. If the Lord had not been on our side, and then he goes into all these times in his life when he faced incredible challenge. He says, when people attacked us, they would have swallowed us alive. When their anger flared against us, the floodwaters would have engulfed us. The torrent would have swept over us. The raging waters would have swept us away. And then he says, praise be to the Lord who has not let us be torn by their teeth. We have escaped like a bird from the fowler's snare. The snare has been broken and we have escaped. And the last verse says, our help is in the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. I think about this text and I think, so 
they would sing that like this was what they would like when I'm driving down the road, I'm not going to be singing about a ferocious lion that attacked me and you know how I escaped from a, a snare. Like that's part of their song. So it's sort of like uh, one of those texts that you go, man, he's been through a lot. David saw a lot of really hard stuff and he's just kind of looking to the maker of heaven and earth and thinking about all the different ways that he's helped him throughout his lifetime. And I think all of us can learn from that today. To, to think back over our life and think of all the times that we had a but God moment. I, I think that's a good word for us. So I just love the life of King David. King David was so raw, so honest. He's such a broken sinner, like he messes up. He has an affair. He kills somebody. He does all these awful things, but he just is so, when you hear him talk, it's like, oh, I, I get that guy. Like, you just sort of connect with him. And the Bible actually says that he was a man after God's own heart. So I imagine Psalm 124 as him sort of like reminiscing. He's remembering. He's thinking back to all the times that God's delivered him. I had lunch this week with an elderly guy that talked about his whole life, and he just told me his stories, the good and the bad, and it was so life-giving to me and refreshing, but I really see kind of like that's, that's where he's at. Many scholars think that this is after uh, later on in his life, and he's pinning this song, right? He's getting together, or maybe he's by himself. He's writing, and while he's writing, he's thinking about all that God's done, his faithfulness throughout the years for the people of Israel, right? He's starting to just go, you know what? It's kind of like the Garth Brooks song. Looking back on the memories. <laughs> I don't know why I did that. Why did I do that? Anyways, you get the point. He's looking back over his life. And he starts by reminding Israel, hey, 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 listen. Well, he says it twice. God's on our side, right? He, he says it. How does he say it? He says, if the Lord had not been on our side. And he says that two times. So he's like, man, if it weren't for God, this is a song that's about rescue. Everybody say rescue. He's remembering all the times that he has escaped from danger. He's remembering the angry people that tried to attack him and kill him and conquer him, maybe take the land, right? Maybe the Philistines. Or maybe he's looking all the way back, like way back, and he's thinking about Egypt. And he's thinking about Pharaoh and how they escaped the chariots that were chasing him into the raging waters and the torrents that swept all of them away. He, he's remembering times that he's faced like ferocious beasts and the worst predators like a lion or a bear that he fought with his own hands. So he mentions four things. One is angry men. Uh, one is violent and torrential waters. Wild beasts is another one. And he talks about being in a snare or a trap, right? And so he's talking about all these things that are like the worst, right? Have you ever faced any of those things? For me, I, I have. I've faced angry people. It's not great. It's not fun. I, I, once I got caught in a riptide in Costa Rica, and I was drug out to the ocean for a little while, and I had to swim away from it. I, I got out. I lived, thankfully. But I've been caught in torrential waters, right? I, I've been trapped before in a room, right? It's a real pickle. I don't like that. I've, I've never fought a lion. I haven't. And I've never fought a bear with my own hands. I haven't done that. But I have been bit by a dog, and it had big teeth. And so anyways, in, anyways, th those are all the worst. And that leads me to my favorite comedian of all time where he talks about, that's the worst. Here you go, Tim Hawkins. I hear a lot of dumb things that people say. We, we overuse words in this country, don't we? Superlative words. We got to stop using so much. Like, that's the best. Oh, that's the best. No, it's not. That's amazing. Mm -mm. 
That's unbelievable. We overuse that word, unbelievable, don't we? I was eating some deer sausage with my buddy. He's like, man, this deer sausage is unbelievable. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> just say it, it's just a good piece of deer sausage, man. It's not unbelievable. Now, if a bald eagle wearing a tuxedo flew down and dropped some deer sausage in your mouth, yeah, that's unbelievable right there. I'll give you that. That is unbelievable. Because that's a bald eagle wearing a tux dropping sausage in your mouth. You don't see something like that every day. Unless you're a Catholic, they see stuff like that all the time, but not a normal person. That's awesome, man. That's unbelievable right there. We overuse this phrase the most, that's the worst. You ever heard people say that? That's the worst. That's the worst. Really? That's the worst. That is the worst. My wife and I dropped our daughter off at the mall not too long ago. She was there to meet her friends, and her friends weren't there yet. My daughter was distraught. She was like, oh, my friends. My friends. That's not how she talks, but it's really funny. My friend, my friend. <laughs> my friends aren't here. My friends aren't here yet. Now I can't go shopping. I have to wait for them until I get here until I can't go shopping. And my wife was like, I know, honey. That's the worst. Really? That's the worst? Being stuck in the mountains or being lost, you know, out, out at sea with sharks circling around you. You're not in more of a pickle there. That's the worst. Can you imagine like those Chilean miners? Remember those Chilean miners a few years ago got stuck in that mine for like 30 days? Do you think they're down that mine going, oh no. This is no good right here, man. We've been down in this mine for a long time, you know. We got no food to eat, we got no water to drink. <coughs> There's not a lot of air left to breathe. We may not live to see another day, my friend. This, this is the worst. The only thing. The only thing that I can think of right now. <laughs> Let me finish, please. The only thing, this is bad right now, the only thing that I can think of right now that could possibly be worse than this is, you know, sometime when you're at the mall and your friends aren't there to meet you yet and you want to go shopping, but you can't, so you gotta wait around on the curb for like 10 minutes or something. I tell you what, this is bad, my friend, but that, that is the worst right there, my friend. I tell you, that is the worst. Oh, so, yeah, it wasn't that good. Really had nothing to do with my sermon, but. 
That's the worst. I think that's where David's at. He's like talking about, you know, those things we went through, ferocious lions. And he's like, those things were bad. They were the worst. Maybe not with that accent. But he, he's just saying, hey, you remember all those times? Like God was there. And he was with us, and he was faithful, and he was good to us in all of those moments. Our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. So that's, that's what this song is really about. David believed that, man. He really did. Like, he always knew that the power and the help and the provision and the protection, it always came from Elohim, from Yahweh. That's, that's the one that he's singing to. That's the one that he's trying to get people to remember. And I'm just going to ask you today, first of the year in 2021, I just want to know, do you do that? Do you actually go to God when you're facing serious danger? Where do you turn? Where, where do you place your hope? Do you depend on your own strength and your own wisdom, and you're going to pull your britches up and take care of it on your own? You're going to handle it, right? Or do you go to God first in prayer? Do you depend on him and trust completely that God's going to fight your battles? And you can just sit face down, palms up, right? Do you do that? Here's my question. Do you really believe deep down in your heart of hearts that God is on your side? Let's have some real talk. So these are some cards that I asked you guys to fill out, and they're prayers. Uh, first of this year, we we're in the middle of a fast as a church. If you're new, we just did this thing to start the year off where we're studying the Word of God. We're, we're getting our relationship with Him right, and we're also spending time on our face praying. And so we're doing a 21-day fast, and the end of that is next weekend. To start this fast, I actually preached a sermon called In the Crushing, and we, we asked you to write down things that are pressing in on you, things that you're really weighed down with God and praying about. And so I, I, I've read these, and I've read the battles that this church body is facing, and our staff took time to actually pray over every single one of these. And we were blown away by the things that we learned and the stuff that our church body is facing. Every kind of pain, lots of pain, every kind of fear, broken relationships. There's lots of self-hatred. Um, there's real uh, battles being fought, money problems, financial problems, broken relationships. There's um, people that are worried, really worried, about corrupt politicians in the future of our country and I just need you to know that in this house, people are fighting very real battles. Every kind of sin you can imagine, addictions, struggles with pornography, people fighting for their very life, fighting illnesses and mental illness, fighting cancer, fighting doubt, and fighting for their marriage. And you know, I think in our life, we, we always know that God loves us, right? And we, we know God is for us. And we believe that, you know, that we say things like, you know, he's on our side. And he, he's fighting our battles, right? And we, we, we say that he has our best interest in, in mind. But sometimes when, when we're suffering and we feel a, alone with the struggles that we're battling with, sometimes it can just feel so desperate. And it breeds so much uncertainty. And in this fallen world, of sin and darkness and despair. There, there's just this place that we live where we see horrific things happening, right? 
all the stuff, anger and hatred, bitterness, jealous, slander, wars, all kinds of horrible things around us. And there's no answers. And we grapple in it and we struggle in it. We're groaning as the earth is groaning, waiting for the arrival of the king. But in the meantime, we're just sort of in this. So let me tell you a story that was probably the hardest story that my wife and I ever went through in our married life. We found out something that was heartbreaking. Um, our daughter, Mercy, uh, who's here today, it, it, when she was nine months old, so she's just a little bitty thing, we were told that she had what's called craniosynostosis. We found out that her head was stuck in the front and that her brain was uh, growing out of the back of her brain. So her bones had fused prematurely and it would have caused a lot of deformity. Her eyes would have protruded. And so we were told that we were going to have to have surgery. That was the only thing that we could do. And we were like, well, what does that mean? They said, we're going to have to cut her skin from ear to ear all the way across, take her skin back and take every bone out of her head. And I was like, what? I'm sorry, what did you say? Say that again. And he explained to me that the whole process what they were trying to do is to actually cut some of the bone out so that it would create a soft spot and her head would grow back together. But there was all kinds of ways that there could be serious complications. And so my wife and I were worried sick. We were driving back and forth from Owensboro, Kentucky to Louisville. And we were meeting with doctors and we, all of a sudden our world was turned upside down. At the time, I was a youth pastor, and our church found out about this, and they got behind us like never before. Um, they, they started praying for us. They asked about our finances, and they, the church came through, man. The church was the church. And we found out that above and beyond our normal uh, price of what the insurance would cover with 80%, the other 20% was still like $25,000, and the church raised that. We were blown away by the love of, of the church. But at the same time, there were people that were coming to me and saying, hey, Blake, we just need to get together and pray for healing. And I was like, thank you. But do you think maybe I probably thought of that? It's my daughter. I, I have prayed for healing, but this is, this is not going to be that probably. It's going to have to be a surgeon. That, and so I, I remember just being in a place of like, I had so much uncertainty. Like, I, I don't want to fight this battle, God. This, is, this isn't my plan for my life. I, I didn't want this to be the way that this story goes. I don't, don't want it to turn out like this. And so right that night before uh, we, we actually went to go have the surgery, um, we drove to a place called the Ronald McDonald House, and they were awesome to us. And that day, it was a nine-hour surgery. Now, I, I've never, ever felt so helpless. And I remember just sort of like, looking at my daughter after the thing was over and just going, this doesn't make sense to me. Why did she, her head, like, I just, as a dad, I, I just couldn't believe that I had walked through this. But I'll never forget that day, probably like 25 families that drove from Owensboro to come sit with us in that waiting room. And just, it, it, Israel, in Judaism, they call this sitting skiva. It's where you don't say a lot, you just listen. And that's what happened. We, we just sat and cried. We were overwhelmed. We praised. We worshiped some. Uh, we, we, we prayed a lot. That's mostly what we did was just pray for mercy. Um, and so 
the worst part of the entire thing was once Mercy came home and we, we, she, she made it through the surgery all right. She had these um, staples that went all the way across her head. And this thing was a nightmare for me. It's, it's supposed to like hold and mold and shape her head. And so during the day, we would take it off because she hated it. But at night, when she'd go to bed, we had to put it on and she'd have to sleep with it and take this strap and put it over her chin. And her head was swollen. And those staples, I was just so scared that I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rip these apart because I couldn't get it on her head. And I would literally put all my weight over my little baby's head and push down. And I'd like have to like really get on top of that. And I was just like, I can't, I can't do this. I can't hurt. This is like the most pain she's ever been in. And she would just horrific, the terror screaming out. And she'd just look at me like, why dad? Why mom? I remember just going, I don't, I don't want to do this. It's against everything I know as a dad to hurt my child when she's in the very most pain. But here's what I've learned over the years about God. Sometimes God allows pain to be the instrument that molds us into who he wants us to become. I'm going to say it again. You guys need to perk up a little bit. Here we go. Sometimes God allows pain to be in the be the instrument. Pain is the instrument that helps mold us into who he wants us to become. We, we can't see his good and perfect will. We know that that's what he wants for us. He wants us to walk in his good and perfect will. But sometimes when we're in it, man, it just doesn't make sense. There's not like cheap words that you can say when you're in something that's that painful, right? And I think back to this text, I think of David, and I think of him sort of reminiscing what that day was like, the day when it all started, the day when he just comes to bring some food for his brothers. He's just a little kid. He's 13. And here's this big guy out in the field mocking his God, the God of Israel, and, and mocking all of his army, his people. And so he walks up on this thing. He's like, I'm not having it. So I kind of imagine him writing Psalm 124, looking, maybe he was looking over the Valley of Elah. That, that's where the battle happened. That's where he faced Goliath. Maybe he was sitting right there by a tree. Here's a picture of what that looks like. There's a chance Maybe that day that he penned this, he was actually thinking back to like, man, I, I remember, I remember the whole thing, right? I remember um, what it felt like when I was sit sitting there and I walked up on that and I saw Saul, like they were all scurrying and fearful and they were worried. And, and he's just an old man pinning some thoughts about what he must have felt like. Maybe he's sitting by a tree and he reaches down and picks up a rock and he smiles. He's kind of reminiscing over all that's happened in his life. Maybe he even shed a tear of gratefulness to God. He's only 13, right? But he had a warrior's heart his whole life. So he, Goliath's talking smack. And he's, he's like, no, oh, bro, nuh-uh, sucker, right? You ain't going to say that. And he's like, I'm going to kill him. <laughs> Did you hear what he said? Like, I'm dropping that guy. I don't care who he is. Like, I brought my slingshot, <laughs> Right? See, his voice is cracking. He's just still a kid, right? So David quickly became the laughing stock of his own army. They're like, Dave, come on. 
you're sweet fella, but no. And so his brothers are mad at him. He tries to put on armor to go fight him. It doesn't fit him. David, all he had was a whole lot of faith and a little bit of bravery, a little bit of courage. But that day, man, he, he got the courage to walk down that hill and he faced that giant, looked him in the eyes, and you know that he was scared out of his mind. You know that he tinkled himself just a little bit. He, he was staring at death, and everybody around him was mocking him. His brother's words were probably jacking with him. He had to feel so insecure in that moment. He had to be thinking, man, what if? What if it doesn't work out? What if Saul is right? I am just a boy. What if my brothers are right? What if I dishonor my family? And so he was walking in, into that moment not having any idea the significance of what God was fixing to pull off. And you know he said a prayer, God, you've been on my side in the past. Fought a bear, I fought a lion, and you were there, but I need you to fight this battle. He's big. David believed with all of his heart that if it wasn't for God being on his side, he knew he didn't stand a chance. And somehow, somehow he had to dismiss all the chatter and the voices and all the people's hate, right? And he had to say, you know what? I got to dismiss all that. Otherwise, the opinions of man would have crippled him in the moment and keep him from fulfilling the mission of God. So when Goliath laughs at him, he walks down there and he's listening to the chatter of all of his people. Now, Goliath also like mocks him. He's like, what am I? Am I a dog that you come at me with a stick? He calls David a little stick. And I love David's response, man. I, I just love, I, and I think of him sitting on that hill, like thinking about what he said to Goliath that day. You know what he said? He said, you come against me with a sword and a spear and a javelin. <laughs> and then he says, but I come against you with what? The name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied, you nine-foot-tall sucker, right? He says, he goes on, he gets a little fiery. He says, this day, I think everybody's listening and everybody's kind of like, look at David telling him what's up. And he's like, hey, I like that. And he goes, this day, the Lord will deliver you into my hands. I'll strike you down and I'll cut off your head. Okay, buddy, let's not get a little too crazy. I'm going to cut off your head. This very day, I will give the carcasses of all the Philistine armies to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord says, for the Lord, the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands today. So he's like, man, he's fired up. He's like, here's what's going to happen, bro. How many of you believe that the battle really does belong to God? Because if you believe that, then, then why do you live in fear? Why do you ever have a place to worry? You don't. People that worry are actually atheists. Woo! You don't believe in God. Does he have it or not? Is he going to battle or not? See, he, he didn't give voice to the giant. He didn't listen to him like, oh yeah, I am a stick. I'll leave you alone. I'll go back, right? He didn't do that. He did not believe the lies. He, he dismissed the lies. Instead, he was a name dropper. He didn't say, hey, I come against you. I know you got, you got a javelin and a spear. I know that. And he didn't try to one up with earthly physical things like, I have an F-15 fighter pilot, fighter pilot, 
fighter pilot. I have a tank, right? He didn't come with that. He said, no, I come with you with what? I come with a name. (laughs) I come today with a name. And it's the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel. If we know and believe that the battle belongs to God, and in the end, the Lord wins this entire victory, then let's start treating our battles, our trials, and our giants the way that they need to be treated. When we look at it like that, all of a sudden, it's not David who was the underdog the entire time. It was Goliath who didn't stand a chance. If we focus on our giants down here, all the stuff and the physical we will fall. But if we focus on God, our giants fall. I'm preaching today. I'm very aware of, of the battles you're facing, the battles I'm facing. We, we stand up every week with our insecurities and our self-doubt and our worries. And we have to face this stuff. And we're always looking at like, and what if? What if the election? What, what if the Senate? What, what if my job? What, what if health? What if my marriage? What, what if? I need you to know something today. This text teaches us that we don't have to wonder if God is on our side. There's no if. We know how things turn out. The ultimate battle happened on the cross. Once and for all, Jesus faced death and he overcame it. And today there is an empty grave that proves it. And our Savior has a name and his name is Yeshua. And it means salvation. He came here to give us himself. Jesus is literally our Savior. He came to save us from every battle we'll ever fight. And that's why his name is above every name. The battle truly belongs to him and it's really already been fought. So let's not be ashamed of the name that we claim. Please let me remind you today that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord over all, in all, and through all. All glory to God. Come on, church. We can't forget, man. We can't forget that we got temporary stuff down here that we're fighting. They're temporary battles, but it's not, it's not the victory. We know the war has already been won. Ephesians 6 says, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It ain't about you, jokers. We're not people, right? It's against rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of the dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. The Bible also tells me that if God is for me, who can stand against me? So if I'm walking in that and I'm believing that, I'm going to keep my focus not on the physical. I'm going to keep my focus not on the flesh and blood, not on my giants here. I know that all that's going to fall, all of it. So I'm not going to focus on on that. I'm going to place my focus on the name of God. And I know that I'm going to see a victory. We get to walk in that victory today. And just like this song we're fixing to sing, it says, when all I see is a battle, you see my victory. When all I see is the mountain, you see the mountain moved. We're going to walk in that. And today, God's going to move mountains in your life. Today, we're not going to see a battle. All we see is the victory that he did on the cross. When you look at the cross, Jesus sees an empty tomb, right? Don't focus on the cross. He ain't there. He did the work on the cross, so we don't have to focus on what happened there. We get to walk in the freedom of what happened because I'm, I'm set free from sin. I'm set free from bondage because of the battle that Jesus did not because of anything we do. So today we're going to declare a prayer and we're going to sing this prayer. 
And we're going to say these words together at church. We're going to say, so when I fight, I fight on my knees with my hands lifted high. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. And every fear, I lay them at your feet today, church. Lay your fears at the feet of Jesus. And then we're going to sing in our hardest, darkest nights. And we're going to declare, oh God, the battle belongs to you. Father God, we come before you declaring that yours is the victory. Thank you for fighting here. Thank you for coming here, leaving heaven and fighting our battle, the ultimate battle of all time against sin and death. You overcame it by your blood and your blood is the perfect replacement for our sins. Because of that, you've washed us, you've purified us, and we now have redemption. We now have a brand new slate. You made us pure, you made us clean because of the war that you fought. And so Father, today we wanna walk in the victory that you've given us. We wanna walk in the freedom that you've declared for us. You've given us abundant life. You are the way, the truth, and the life. And we wanna follow after you. We wanna do what you did. So God, we wanna be baptized if we haven't been. We wanna choose to walk in your ways. We wanna speak your truth. We wanna be people who are obedient to you, oh God. Today, Jesus, we declare that we surrender to you. We surrender to you. We give you our lives. We ask that you would bless them. Would you help us fight our battle? Your word says you'll help us if we call on the name of the Lord. You're the maker of heaven and earth. And today we want to walk in that. We call upon you. We ask you to help us, Jesus. Help us, Father. We love you and we give you all the praise and all of the glory today. It's in your precious and holy name we pray. Everybody said.